This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. I will tell you uh, what we do here in this moment, whether you are physically here watching online in the campuses, it's so critical. Uh, The line that we know in moments like this that the marginalized are exponentially more vulnerable has never been more true than right now. And so it's an honor to be here this morning in this moment. Uh, I love this place, this space, this stage. This church was the first church that I visited when I moved from Green Bay to Minneapolis, uh, and I met Pastor Nate. And since then, he has become one of my very dear friends. We've had a chance to work together, do ministry together. I'm so thankful to Nate for uh, not only his friendship, but he has championed venture from the beginning. Um, And I'm thankful to Pastor Nate, Jody, Pastor Darren, Pastor Nathan for their commitment to venture. And to you, to Emmanuel, through Kingdom Builders, the stories that we're going to talk about, the things that we are going to discuss, the results are because of the radical generosity and people stepping up and saying, I want to be a part of what God's doing in the kingdom around the world. Because the gospel will not be pushed down. It will not be suppressed. It will overcome and it will keep moving. It was a stage like this with a missionary on the stage talking that was actually the start of venture. Somebody was talking about a need in another part of the world and there was three college students that heard the message and decided they wanted to step in and do something. They wanted to respond in an epic way. They heard about this need and decided, I don't just want to feel bad about the need, but I want to do something. And so they came up with a kind of a radical idea. They decided they were going to bike across the country. Radical not only because of all the miles, but because they didn't even own bikes at the time. They weren't cyclists. They just had this idea. And so one of them sold their car, and all three of them bought bikes, and they drove to the Pacific Ocean. They put their back tire in the Pacific Ocean, and they biked from Seattle all the way to New York City, three months, 3,300 miles. Every moment of the way, every stop, every place they slept, they would talk about this need And they would raise money. By the end of this time, they raised $18,000, which at that point for three college students could have been a million dollars. And this was the start of what Venture was about. The next year, it was five college students, and they biked across Europe, Portugal to Poland, seven countries, seven languages. They end up raising around $25,000 to respond to the HIV and AIDS needs on the continent of Africa. And this is the ethos of seeing a need And based on what scripture says, responding in any way we can, stepping into that, actually moving from where we are in a level of comfort to something less comfortable on behalf of other people, that kind of movement. We're in a series called Lift, where we lift from where we are to where we are going. And so it is an honor right from the beginning to thank Emmanuel, to thank you who have invested in Kingdom Builders, you who have participated, because the results have been astounding from that first $18,000 raised. Now we have raised and implemented more than $13 million in missions and justice work around the world. You see, the word venture in the dictionary means to go to a difficult or dangerous place or to do a difficult or dangerous thing. 
And the difficult or dangerous place where we want to serve is in those places in the world where there's less than 2% gospel witness. Out of 100 people, best chance, two of them have even heard the name of Jesus. And it's in those places where the church is only investing 1% of all resources. That's a difficult place and that's where we want to be. And when we go there, we identify marginalized communities that are impacted by systemic injustices. Specifically, we focus on human trafficking, refugee crisis, extreme poverty, and the persecution of beliefs. We address those things by collaborating with local leaders, figuring out how we can respond to immediate need, food, safety, education, but also how to provide the immediate and long-term hope of the gospel so that individual lives and entire communities are transformed. And then we come back to churches like Emmanuel. And we invite you to be a part of it. We invite a courageous group like this to not just feel bad, but to actually take a step from comfortable to less comfortable. Things like fervent prayer and radical generosity and even physical sacrifice. For freedom, bike for Burma, getting on bikes, running, doing these types of things so that we can respond to the gospel, respond to the need, and see the gospel being pushed forward. Because of your generosity, because of your physical sweat, last year, every single day, 21,000 refugee children were provided meals every day. That's this morning, that's tomorrow, that's the next day. If you've ever gone without food, you know how critical that is, and now 21,000 because of generosity of people like you. Every single day, 700 boys and girls wake up in a safe place now. They're no longer being trafficked or running the risk of being trafficked or gender-based violence because of the partnership with Emmanuel. Every single day, we educate more than 1,200 people through our programs. That's four and five-year-olds that are learning to read and write. How critical is that for the next generation? Also, it's training young adults to be church planters, pastors, and business leaders. We also invest in business, specifically agribusiness. Last year, this partnership between Venture and Emmanuel was part of providing 455 farmers with their own way to provide for their families as well as to enhance their communities. And some of those farmers were even supporting church planting. Because here's what we know. In the last nine years that I've been a part of Venture, in the places where we serve, these difficult places, these places with less than 2% gospel witness, where less than 1% of all Christian giving is invested, the one thing we know if we just try to help, that's limiting. We are not philanthropy. We know that the single greatest change agent for any individual or any community is the presence of a local church. And that's why connected to every project, every injustice that we address, every region where we serve, we implement church planting. Last year, we were able to, through our partners, plant 155 brand new churches in some of the most remote places on the planet because the hope of the gospel cannot be contained. So if you in this room have participated a few years back in Hope for Dinner or if you participated one of those people that strapped on spandex and biked for Bike for Burma or if you've run through 30 for Freedom, thank you, Pastor Phil, or if you've given any amount to kingdom builders, please know 
these are your stories. This is stories from this house, stories of feeding, stories of education, stories of safety, stories of business, and stories of church planting. All of it, stories of the gospel moving forward in some of the most difficult places on the planet. And you were a part of it, thank you. We're in this series, Lift, right? And Pastor Nate and Pastor Darren have been talking about what it looks like to go from where we are to the next level to get some lift with God's jet stream being underneath. They've talked about different principles like loving, like generosity, like stewardship. Today I want to bring one more principle to the conversation. It's incredibly important, although it's a very short word. The principle is go. Go. If you're a note taker, I just made your job pretty easy. Two letters, go. I look at this plane. I love that there's a plane on the stage. The plane reminds me of earlier uh, this week. Last week, my family and I, we got a chance to go to Vermont. We'd been talking about it. Our family members had bought a home on a mountain in Vermont, and we really wanted to go visit them. But in order to go from being in Minneapolis to going to Vermont, you can't just wish it, you can't just want it, you can't just hope for it, you actually have to go. So we loaded up all seven of us in a plane, and if that sounds romantic and awesome and refreshing to you, you've never flown with five kids, one of whom is a lap child. I don't know why they let 20-month-olds sit on your lap. They have no idea that's where they're supposed to stay. Even though the travel was difficult, when we got there, it was incredible. And this principle of go might not be easy, what we do as a result today, each one of us might not be easy, but on the other side, that lift is incredible. And I'm going to do my best not to just give you my opinion, because you didn't roll in here for my opinion. This is scripture. Scripture calls this principle of go one of the two greats in all of the Second Testament. There's the great commandment to love God and love others. That's easy. I don't know who you're going to do Thanksgiving with. Maybe loving is not that easy, but the great commandment to love. And the great commission is to go. It's to go. It's to go into all of the world. Mark 16, 15 through 18 tells us about Jesus' words to his disciple, kind of these last words. If you've ever had to give parting words when your kids go to college or when your kids go uh, to a sleepover or when you're leaving your spouse or when you're finishing up a communication, last words are important to think about. So these are Jesus' last words in Mark 16, 15 through 18, and it says this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel Sorry, preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. This is a powerful passage. The Great Commission to go. If you're like me, I grew up in the church and I knew what the Great Commission was, but most of the time it stopped at going to all the world and preach the gospel. But there's a whole bunch of really good stuff right after this. I would argue crazy stuff. 
It says if you do this, you know what's going to happen? People are going to get healed. People are going to be released to demons. People are going to drink poison, and it's not going to hurt them. People are going to be set free. This is part of the gospel. And if maybe you are like me and you haven't experienced this so much in your neighborhood right now, maybe this is our call, our time to respond to the first part, to go, and we'll see some of the beauty of this. We are seeing it in our partners. We are seeing it in what we're doing. And if you invest in kingdom builders, you've actually been a part of what we see in verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 says they're going to see demons, set, people who are with demons set free. Now, I haven't seen that very recently. But I got this email here. In our last trip to Nepal, we met a young lady. And this lady has an incredible story about what happens when the hope of the gospel invades somebody's life. I asked our partner to send me an email so that you could see it. I've redacted the information that would put anybody in jeopardy, including specific names, but I wanted you to see it from their words, not mine. And it says this, a woman was demon-possessed. Her and her husband weren't Christians. They tried all the gurus, the shamans, and the witch doctors in the area, but none could help. They heard a man who was a Christian who prayed for the sick and got well. They convinced the man to come and pray for his wife, and he cast the demon out of her, and the man and woman accepted Jesus on the spot. That's pretty good, right? And then they started meeting in the mud hut with two couples, and it blew up to 300. My words, not theirs. I'll stick with the script. And now they have 300, and they're sending young men and women to be trained and sending them out to plant churches in jungle areas. That's pretty great. So somebody gets released of demons, becomes a Christ follower, starts a church, now they are raising up people and planting churches. That's not a bad thing to be a part of. And so we asked him, how do you keep the church growing? And he said, well, people keep bringing demon-possessed individuals to our church, and he and his leadership team cast them out, and they receive Jesus, and they join the church. That's a pretty good church growth model. This is happening right now. Sometimes we read this and we're like, the demons, the, the, the sickness, the healings, we're like, that's kind of biblical text for a different time and a different place. No, it's right now. When we, when we in this moment understand that when we can respond to this idea of going, and when we do, there are things that will follow that are powerful that people desperately need. It goes on in verse 18, and it talks about the idea of I'll just read you the, the text. In verse 17, it says that they will have poison, but it won't affect them. Now, I don't know about you, but it's been a minute since anybody drank poison and was okay over north where I live. But this year, we got a text or an email, and it says this. The villages are poor. Often, we have no running water or electricity. Many of the houses are simple bamboo and wooden structures. The pastors there have the same story. Nearly all have been imprisoned for their faith multiple times, and their houses are burnt down, and they've been poisoned and miraculously saved. Okay, check out that sentence, because we don't get that sentence very often. You may have woke up this morning and thought you knew what we were going to talk about, but through an email, they just said this. Yeah, there's this group of believers. They live in wooden huts. They don't have water or electricity. Their houses are burnt down. They're imprisoned, and they're tried to be poisoned, and they don't get sick. That is the power 
of the gospel and they just read it and believe it. It says, we were able to distribute clothing and manna packs to many of the believers in the villages we visited. They were happy to receive any help we could give them. This is why what we do through Kingdom Builders is so important because that manna, those resources are from Emmanuel, from places like this that decide to move from what is comfortable to less comfortable. You decide to go. You decide to engage. You decide that what's happening over there with the marginalized is important and you decide that the God of the universe is whispering you to be a part of that great story, not just through an email, but what we read right from Scripture. And then in verse 18, it says, people are healed. How about an email just this week? One of the men was witch doctor. He had received his here and taken baptism. Broken English, obviously. I'm going to do it again. One of the men was witch doctor. He had received his here and taken baptism. Let me give you the quick update. There was a witch doctor. He was deaf. A Christian prayed for him. He could hear. He became a Christian. Do you think that's powerful? That is incredible. This this thing, what we see, what we see happening in the words, in the in the orange right here, it's happening. And it's happening because people are going. You might be sitting here going, Well, that's cool, but that's not like me. I'm not gonna bike across the country. Or, I'm not an evangelist like Pastor Nate or Matt Brown. I'm not a really demonstrative good Christian. I'm just somebody who believes that Jesus loves me. That's all you need. That's what you need. There are steps you can take to go physically or just in your relationships that if we go, the power of the full gospel will lift us even more than ever before. And at this point, at this point, each of us has to decide. On a Sunday, again, if you're like me and you attend fairly regularly, you have to decide if this message is for you. It's not uncommon to go, ooh, that one's for me, ooh, that one's for my spouse, right? That's not uncommon. But this morning, we're breaking bread, the word of God, for each of us. And what if every single person in this space, online, in our other campuses, what if every single one said, this is for me, and I need to answer the question of what it means to go. I'm going to give you three ways that you can go. Two of them are pretty easy. The first one, you can go into your community. doesn't even require a plane. You can go into your community. It says to go into all the world. It didn't just say to go to the farthest parts of the world. It says all the world, so that means across the street is part of doing the Great Commission. Going across the street, that means going to your family members. That means identifying people that you believe are without hope. People who are marked by chaos and brokenness. People who might not know it yet but need a savior. And what if we, every single person in this room, stopped and started praying, God, who do you want me to bring the good news to? This holiday season, the one thing that we know is that the depressed will become more depressed. The isolated will become more isolated. And difficulty will continue. And you can be a source of hope. What if right now you think about who is that person that you could start praying for so that you could be a bridge? I love Emmanuel. Emmanuel, from its inception, has been actively engaged in the community. 
And we see it even right now in this season as you invest in things like Teen Challenge. Those are some marginalized people in our community that need the support of the local church and you do it. When we saw the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent protests, one of the first churches that showed up on Lake Street was Emmanuel. You understand your role as a church in going to the community. What if this morning we would start thinking about our individual responsibility? At Venture, every single week we pray by name for people that we want to have the full hope of the gospel introduced to them. It's not easy. I've been praying for the same dude for a year. Maybe you've been praying for family members, or maybe you haven't practiced this. You, regardless of how good of a Christ follower you think you are, you can be used by God to offer hope, but we have to be willing to go, to make that step, to go from what's comfortable to less comfortable. Would you, right now, God of the universe, I ask that you would reveal a name to each person in this room so that hundreds of people this week will be prayed for. We want to go. We want to be a bridge for your gospel to be revealed, and we want to experience all of the power that comes along with that. If you're a note taker, write that down. If you have a phone, give yourself a a text. Do something this week to pray to go in your community. You can also go through kingdom builders. Also, plain not required. The second way you can go through kingdom builders, and I cannot understate how important or overstate how important kingdom builders is, not only to our organization, but to the organizations in this booklet But it's not just to the organizations like Live Dead or Convoy, but it's also for this church. Because this is our act of obedience, and anything that's good for somebody else is going to be good for us. And when we step into that kind of obedience, that kind of radical generosity, that's what Venture calls it, radical generosity, stepping from comfortable to less comfortable, even with our finances, And I would encourage you to look at last week's message by Pastor Darren, who talked about this this idea of the 10, 10, 80, and then the 10, 10, 5, 75, and if I go anymore, I'm going to lose my math. Um, but, But the idea that we would carve out intentionally, like this morning, carve out space to say, this is what's comfortable for me, this is what's uncomfortable, but in that space is going. That's going. Going isn't just for somebody who lives in another country way over there in huts. Going is the act of being obedient to what God is saying to us through Scripture in this moment because the the marginalized are extremely vulnerable and we get to do something about that. There has never been a more critical time. In my work with Venture, in the areas that we serve overseas, there's never been a more critical time. I get emails regularly. One of them just the other week, and I won't show it to you, said, be careful when you open these photos. I open them up, and it's young boys and girls that are laying in the street that no longer are alive. They died of COVID-based starvation. We have our own struggles here. We have our own difficulties here. But the marginalized are exponentially more vulnerable. And when the church steps up and does something about it, I also get other emails. I got an email this week It was an email uh, from some of our partners that went two days up into a mountain, 19,000 feet. That's like Kilimanjaro height. 
And they brought food, and they brought sanitation, and they brought the hope of the gospel, and the the village leader came out and said, nobody has come here for more than nine months. We are starving. You brought food, and they got to share the gospel. The gospel cannot be suppressed. It will push through, and it will push through even more if we, in this moment, read it and respond to it. I get emails about some of our communities that we serve that are dealing with desperate flooding situations. Little kids, my kids' age, wading out in water up to here just to get a bag of rice. You see, it's very real, the critical nature of what we're feeling right now, but it's also none of us are sending our kids out out of our mud hut in waist-deep water just to get some food. But you know who gave them that food? You did with your generosity, with your courageous step of going from what is comfortable, maybe even this morning from what I showed up thought I was gonna do as it related to kingdom builders and stepping to something less comfortable for you but helping other people thrive. So you can go through your community, you can go through kingdom builders and you can also go through missions. Emmanuel is a missions-sending church, a missions-supporting church. Short-term missions, long-term missions. Yes, not everybody is going to pack up all their belongings and go, but I believe every Christian community should create space to say, I should at least pray and think about it. I believe the God of the universe talks to people individually and compels us to go. And once COVID is done and international travel picks back up, you should consider it. There is something powerful about going physically. When we choose to go, this morning, not later, not at a different date, not at a different time, not for your spouse, not for somebody else, but for you, when we choose to go in our community through kingdom builders and missions, lives are not only changed, but communities and generations will be impacted. Like my friend Hannah, who I've been to her village, I have had dinner with her. She was somebody who was going to be trafficked into sex slavery. But because of our partners' work in safe housing, not only did she receive safety, she and a lot of other people received a whole bunch more. Watch her story. My parents and village people work in the gravel pit. During rainy season, work is not possible since the shores are flooded. Many people go hungry from the little they earn from selling sand. Therefore, people are compelled to sell their bodies. In Nepal, there is a caste system. Brahman is the highest caste. Badi are a part of the Dalit, which is the lowest, the untouchable caste. When I was small, our friend and her husband lived near our house, and they would often come to visit. The husband told my sister that he wanted to take her to visit our mother's birthplace in Ramgat. Instead, he took her in a tractor, where he drugged her to make her unconscious. He sold her for 30 dollars. 
I started losing consciousness from the shock of losing my sister. So my father took me to the hospital in Nepal Gunj. When the doctor checked the x-ray, he read the report that I was Badi. He then tried to rape me. Later, I told my father that my doctor tried to rape me. My father said, if we say something to anyone, they will not treat us. To whom shall we complain? When I met Hannah, her ace was a crucial ace to be sold out in Delhi. And she has also had great fear that somebody will destroy her life. So it took a long time for me to establish relationship. And then I began to build relationship with Hannah, her father. I began to share my heart to them that in order to protect them, we would start hostel or home in Kathmandu and give them education. And when I shared this, they, they got excited. When I went to the hostel, the behavior of the people there changed me. After going there, I learned what real love looks like. And the thing that changed me most has been getting to know Jesus. In seven years of time, out of 700 people, 400 people have come to know the Lord. And today, by the power of the gospel, the village is changing. And the former trafficker who sold Hannah's sister is the pastor of that church. I'm very thankful to the Lord for venture because partnership is helping us to fulfill our daily needs in the hostel, in the schools, everywhere. And together we are going to stop human trafficking in body people. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.